Good evening and welcome back. I'm glad you can join us tonight as we conclude, Lord willing, the book of Judges. We've been in Judges for quite a while now, several months, and uh, we're going to conclude it tonight. And so if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Judges 21 if you want to read along. This story is part of a much bigger story that we've been covering for the last few weeks. This story started in Judges 19 and has gone through 20 and now uh, we'll conclude in 21. And this particular story is about the Benjaminites. Now you may recall what we've talked about, but if not, I'll give you a little refresher here. There was a Levite man uh, who had uh, had a concubine and he was on his way back home with his concubine, to make a long story short. He stopped in an Israelite town for the night, a town that belonged to the Benjaminites. It should have been a safe place. But it was not. Instead, the men of the town came uh, and tried to attack him. As a result, he gave his concubine over to him. It said they raped and abused her all night long, and ultimately they ended up killing her. Once the man returned home, he did something pretty gross. He cut his concubine up into 12 pieces and sent it across all the tribes of the people of Israel. And when they saw what had happened and heard the story of what had happened, uh, an outrage take, uh, took place. They said, look, we've got to do something uh, to these Benjaminites. So the Israelites tried the peaceable approach. They went to the Benjaminite city and they said, look, you need to give us these men who are guilty of this crime. Uh, but the people of Benjamin did not uh, listen to what Israel said. Instead, they took a fighting stance. They said, nope, we're not going to turn these men over. Uh, we're going to fight you. Now, Benjamin was greatly outnumbered. Israel had already... Uh, gathered up an army of about 400,000 people. Uh, the Benjaminites only had about 26,000 people. But in, early on in the battle, the Benjaminites were having their way with the Israelites. And it looked like uh, that the Israelites weren't going to be strong enough to uh, take over the Benjaminites. But they continued to seek the Lord. The Israelites did. And the Lord said, nope, uh, go battle them. And the next time you go battle them, you're going to be able to overtake them. So, the Benjaminites had an opportunity to do what was right, and they chose not to, and as a result, uh, God served justice upon them through these other Israelite tribes. And so uh, this horrible thing had taken place, uh, and the Benjaminites were almost completely destroyed as a result of this. There were only 600 that remained, we saw in Judges 20. Uh, and so that kind of gets us up to where we are tonight. Now, Last week we saw kind of a rough passage because we saw the Israelites having to go against another one of their tribes, some of their brothers and sisters, that is, those of the Benjaminites. And this was something they did. The Lord had commanded them to do this because uh, justice needed to be served. A great crime had been committed. And so we saw what uh, had taken place in Judges 20. Now tonight we're going to be in Judges 21. And while last week we had to see kind of a, a rough but necessary side of the other tribes of Israel, uh, tonight we're going to see their compassion, uh, but we're also going to be reminded of just how far off the people of Israel are. We've seen this through the whole book of Judges. God's people have not been obedient to him. In some ways, maybe they live for him and they're calling out to him. But for the most part, these are people who are not uh, seeking the Lord. Maybe they don't know the things of the Lord as well as they should, but they are definitely not seeking and living by the Lord. They know of the Lord, but they, the way they're living is not a way that's pleasing to the Lord. That's how far off track the Israelites had gotten after the generation that came out of Egypt that saw all of these great things the Lord had done, 
Well, this is far removed from that. And so these these people of Israel here, they know of God, but they don't uh, know enough of God or care enough about God to follow his commands and be obedient to him. And they do things that they want. They do the way they want to do. And uh, we can learn a lot from these Israelites uh, and from their failures. And so even though there are some good things mixed in with these Israelites in this passage tonight, and through many of the passages we've read in the book of Judges, uh, there are many things with Israel that are not right. And uh, we're going to see that here in this passage tonight. So let's pray and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you and I thank you for these words and I pray that you help us to understand them and help me to preach and teach them in a way that's going to bring glory to you. And dear Lord, I pray that we would learn from what we read tonight, that maybe there are things in our life that shouldn't be there. And I pray that we would uh, address those things, God, if you convict us of them, that we don't live according to our ways, dear Lord, but that we would live according to your ways. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Judges 21, verse 1. The men of Israel had sworn an oath at Mizpah. None of us will give his daughter to a Benjaminite in marriage. So the people went to Bethel and sat there before God until evening. They wept loudly and bitterly and cried out, Why, Lord God of Israel, has it occurred that one tribe is missing in Israel today? Now, last week they had to do what was necessary. Justice had to be served. They could not allow the Benjaminites to continue on the path that they were on, and so they go and they do. By the command of the Lord, they uh, overtake these Benjaminites and and uh, almost completely destroy them as a result of that. But this is not something that they're excited about. This is something that we see here at these first few verses that they are weeping about what has taken place because these are their brothers. This is one of the tribes of Israel, and they are not happy about what has taken place. They're not happy about the Benjaminites' attitude, they're not happy about their response to want to go to war, and they're not happy about the fact that they had to uh, bring this punishment on them. And so they are weeping before the Lord, and we have a little tidbit of information that's really a key part of this passage, and that is it says that they had made a pledge or an oath that none of them, that is none of the other Israelite tribes, would give their daughters to the Benjaminites in marriage. And so uh, we kind of have a glimpse of what uh, we're going to get into a little further. And so we see that the other Israelites are not happy about what has taken place. They are saddened because of what's going on with the Benjaminites. Let's read a little further in verse 4. The next day the people got up early, built an altar there, and offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. The Israelites asked, Who of all the tribes of Israel didn't come to the Lord with the assembly? For a great oath had been taken that everyone who had not come to the Lord at Mizpah would certainly be put to death. But the Israelites had compassion on their brothers, the Benjaminites, and said, Today a tribe has been cut off from Israel. What should we do about wives for the survivors? We've sworn to the Lord not to give them any of our daughters as wives. They asked, Which city among the tribes of Israel didn't come to the Lord at Mizpah? It turned out that no one from Jabesh-Gilead had come to the camp of the assembly. For when the people were counted, no one was there from the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead. Now we see the story kind of unfolding and we see a couple of things kind of interwoven uh, amongst each other here in this passage we just read. Now, we saw earlier that they, were not, they had made an oath, the Israelites did, not to give any of their wives to Benjamin. 
But they also saw Benjamin and they had compassion on them because of their condition, because of what had taken place. They didn't say, well, if they did it to themselves, let them die out and let them go on their way. No, they had compassion. They knew that this was the tribe of Israel, but they also knew that the 600 that remained weren't going to be able to survive unless they had wives that they could build up their families and build up their communities and build up that tribe again. But there was a conundrum. What were they going to do? Where were they going to get wives from? Because they had already made this pledge and this oath uh, that they were not going to give any of their wives to these Benjaminites. Now, we see a couple of things here. The first has to do with the wives. The second has to do with something that was mentioned earlier. That was, they had, they had made an oath, all of the people of Israel, that somebody from every city would come and be part of this, of this worshiping or gathering around for the Lord. And the oath that was made that if a city didn't send somebody from that city, uh, that <clears throat> the, the death would be the result of that. That would be the consequence of breaking that oath. And so they looked around. Well, the Benjaminites need wives. Well, hey, did everybody from Israel send, uh, send somebody to represent them every city? Well, nope, there was no one there from Jabesh-Gilead. And so you may can kind of see uh, how the story is beginning to unfold here. If the people of Jabesh-Gilead uh, didn't send anyone, and they had taken part of the oath when it said everybody in Israel had, so obviously the death penalty was about to come upon those people. And so we see the story kind of coming together here by this point in the passage. But let's read a little further. Verse 10. The congregation sent 12,000 brave warriors there and commanded them, Go and kill the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead with the sword, including women and children. This is what you should do. Completely destroy every male as well as every female who has slept with a man. They found among the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead 400 young women who had not had sexual relations with a man, and they brought them to the camp at Shiloh in the land of Canaan. So, the Israelites, trying to come up with a solution, said, Well, we'll just take the, the women of Jabesh-Gilead. After all, they didn't uphold the oath that they had entered into. We all agreed to an oath, and they didn't keep their oath. They knew that the death penalty was part of that oath. So we will simply go in and kill all of the people of Jabesh-Gilead and we'll take the virgin women and we'll allow them to be wives for the Benjaminites. Well, that fixed part of the problem. It says that they were able to gather 400 wives from Jabesh-Gilead. But there were 600 survivors we saw from the previous chapter. And so they needed more wives. And so the Israelites get to work again to try to come up with a another solution that will completely solve the wife problem of the Benjaminites. Let's read a little further. Verse 13. The whole congregation sent a message of peace to the Benjaminites who were at the rock of Rimen. Benjamin returned at that time, and Israel gave them women they had kept alive from Jabesh-Gilead, but there were not enough of them. The people of, had compassion on Benjamin because, of, because the Lord had made this gap in the tribes of Israel. The elders of the congregation said, What should we do about wives for those who are left, since the women of Benjamin have been destroyed? And they said, There must be heirs for the survivors of Benjamin, so that a tribe of Israel will not be wiped out. But we can't give them our daughters as wives, for the Israelites had sworn. 
anyone who gives a wife to a Benjaminite is cursed. They also said, Look, there's an annual festival to the Lord in Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, east of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and south of Labona. So we continue to see the Israelites uh, trying to come up with a plan here. It's re reiterated, look, we've already promised we're not going to give any of our wives. We can't give any of our wives. That would be a wrong thing to do. But they had compassion on the Benjaminites. If there is any good to be seen in what the Israelites are doing, that's probably it, that they had compassion for the Benjaminites, that they were trying to see that a whole tribe of God wasn't uh, completely torn apart. And so they did have compassion, uh, but that's really about the extent of any good that the Israelites have here in this chapter and their plans and their doings. And we're introduced to the fact that, hey, there's a new plan coming at the end of this passage when they said, hey, look, there's an annual festival coming up for the Lord at Shiloh. Well, here's a clue before we read this next section that they have a plan that's going to uh, involve Shiloh and the festival that's coming up. Let's read a little further and see what the uh, Israelites did. In verse 20, Then they commanded the Benjaminites, Go and hide in the vineyards. Watch, and when you see the young women of Shiloh come out to perform the dances, each of you leave the vineyards and catch a wife for yourself from the young women of Shiloh, and go to the land of Benjamin. When their fathers or brothers come to us and protest, we will tell them, Show favor to them, since we did not get enough wives for each of them in the battle. You didn't actually give the women to them, so you're not guilty of breaking your oath. The Benjaminites did this and took the number of women they needed from the dancers they caught. They went back to their own inheritance, rebuilt their cities, and lived in them. At that time, each of the Israelites returned from there to his own tribe and family, each return from there to his own inheritance. So as we can see from this passage here, things have gone from bad to worse. They are completely, uh, it seems to me, uh, off base in their, in their thinking of how they are going to get these wives for the Benjaminites. It was correct and good, I think, of them to have compassion on the Benjaminites and seek to help them to rebuild uh, but their solution here, as we see, is, well, look, there's this festival coming up in, in Shiloh. There will be lots of people there. There will be some virgin women there who will be dancing by themselves. They'll be easy pickings. So, look, you Benjaminites, here's what you do. You go up to Shiloh. Now, Shiloh would have been in the tribal allotment of land of Ephraim. So these would have probably been Israelites here, and we have a clue of that And when it talks about breaking the oath here a few verses down. So Shiloh would have been in Israelite territory, and the people of Israel here say, look, go up to Shiloh and hide out. And when you see the virgin women come, well, every one of you that don't have a wife, just run out there and grab you a wife and take off with her and bring her back here, and we'll kind of fend for you. When the fathers of these stolen uh, girls come to us, we'll say, look, you know, look, they need wives. Have compassion on them. And they said, well, tell them it's no big deal. You didn't break your oath. You didn't give your daughters to the Benjaminites. That was the oath, remember? They said, we're not going to give any of our daughters to the Benjaminites. And so this group that was uh, kind of uh, in a leadership position, it would appear, that were uh, commanding these Benjaminites to go steal these wives, they said, look, when these men come to us and are complaining, we'll say, you didn't break your oath. Uh, you, you didn't give your wives. Your wives were stolen. Now, 
they are kind of playing loose with, with their, their oaths and the things that they have made. They are not sticking by the heart of their oath. If the heart of their oath was for no other Israelite women to be the brides of the Benjaminites, well, they certainly w weren't standing by that here. They were trying to find a loophole. Well, what can we do? We can't give our wives to them. I know, but if they were to happen to steal some of our wives, then we wouldn't be giving our wives to them. And so the Israelites are, boy, they are working really hard to try to come up with a solution here. And they have done some horrible things. Now, this is a good opportunity for us to consider something that we need to remember when we read God's Word. Not everything that we see people do, God's people even in God's Word, are things that God commanded or are things that God approved of. God did not command the Israelites here to do these things that they were doing. We don't see that anywhere in this text, that God commanded them to make an oath to all come. We don't see anywhere in the text that God commanded them to make an oath with one another that they would kill a, a, a whole city if they didn't have a representative that come to the Lord. We don't see anywhere that the Lord commanded them to go in and kill all the people of Jabesh Gilead. We don't see that the Lord commanded them uh, to get wives for the Benjaminites. We don't see that the Lord commanded them not to give their own daughters as wives for the Benjaminites. We don't see that the Lord commanded them to go and steal these wives from Shiloh. These things that we see here that the Israelites did were not commands of the Lord. The things that they did were the desires of their own heart. They were things that I don't believe God approved of and things that I believe that the Israelites decided amongst themselves that they were going to do. The last time that we saw the Israelites go to the Lord was in chapter 20, when they were seeking the Lord to say, Lord, should we attack the Benjaminites? Is this what you want us to do? Now, that was a good thing. They were seeking the Lord. That was great. And the Lord said, yes, you need to attack the Benjaminites. Justice needed to be served, and God was going to carry that out. Now, don't forget, the Benjaminites had an opportunity to turn over the guilty party for proper punishment, but they chose not to do so. Instead, they chose to fight instead of uh, do what they should have done. And so that's the last time we saw God speak to the Israelites when they began to seek the Lord and say, Lord, do you want us to carry out this punishment and judgment on Benjamin? And God said, yes, go and do it. Now, after that, God has not spoken to them, at least in these things that we see here. These are things that the Israelites have decided to do on their own. And we see that spelled out for us at the very end of this chapter in the last verse of Judges, in verse 25. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did whatever he wanted. Now, this tells us what was happening with Israel in the book of Judges at this time. They had no leadership. They were not trusting and seeking the Lord for the most part. There were some times that they did. One of those we just referenced from Judges 20 when they were seeking him about uh, bringing judgment on Benjamin. But for the most part, it, the Israelites have not been seeking the Lord through the book of Judges, through the whole book of Judges. And a phrase that we've seen here at the end of the book of Judges repeatedly is what closes the book here. Everyone did whatever he wanted, or everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The things that the Israelites were doing here were things that they thought were right, but were not things of God. These were not the things God wanted them to do. These were not the things that God commanded them to do. 
or if he did command them to do it, it sure doesn't say it here. But based on the end of this passage, it sounds as though the things that they did here were things that they wanted to do, things that were right in their own eyes. And that's what got them into these problems that they were in. They did what they thought was right instead of doing what God had already told them and commanded them was the right thing to do. They were more concerned about living by their ways than they were living by God's ways. And boy, they did some horrible things. When we choose to do things our way, things look really good and they make a lot of sense. But oftentimes they are not good things. These things that the Israelites were doing, they probably seemed like a good idea. They probably said, look, we're doing this for a good reason. We have compassion on the Benjaminites. It's a good thing for them to have wives. After all, these people that we're going to kill, they broke an oath. So let's just steal their wives. Let's go out somewhere else and find some innocent women. And let's just steal them too so we can kind of find a loophole. And it's okay because we're doing a good thing and, and the ends justify the means, don't they? They were doing what was right in their own eyes. And all of these things that we read and say, this is horrible that they did these things. But to them, they probably seemed like good things. They seemed right to them. They had justified it in their mind. After all, they were doing everything the way they were supposed to. They haven't actually broken any of their oaths. Nobody gave any wives to the Benjaminites. They were simply taken. And so they found all of these ways to skirt around all of these things to feel good about what they were doing. But you and I don't ever do that, do we? Or do we? Sometimes we may be guilty of the same thing. Sometimes we may decide that we are not going to listen to what God says, but we are going to do what's right in our own eyes. And when we begin to try to do that, boy, we really begin to come up with some things in our mind to justify our actions. But it doesn't hide the fact or dismiss the fact that we're doing things on our own. As good as some of the things we do may be, if we have bad motives or we do bad things to carry those things out, well, they're not that good after all. The Israelites here did what was right in their own eyes, and they thought they were good in what they were doing. But they were doing things that were not godly things. They were doing evil things. And this is a good warning for us that we need to pay attention to our life. And we need to ask the question, am I doing what is right by God, what God calls me to do, or am I doing what is right in my own eyes? We need to pray that God would give us discernment between the two. We need to remember, too, as practical and as simple as it is, is that sometimes God pe God's people in God's Word do things that God does not approve of or that God does not command. It doesn't make those things right. Those people were wrong for what they did. The Israelites were getting ready for a lot of trouble because of the sins they had committed. They had already been in a lot of trouble. Throughout the whole book of Judges, they had been in trouble with enemies coming against them. They had no king at this time. We see that phrase a few times here at the end of Judges. They had no king at this time. Eventually, they were going to get a king. They were going to demand a king. And as a result, God said, all right. He told Samuel, tell the people that if they want a king, tell them what they're getting into. Tell them what the king's going to be able to do. He's going to be able to rule them and tell them, get ready. Samuel told the people and they wanted a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations. Well, they began to get kings. And they didn't have very many kings. They had a lot of bad kings. 
that put them in a lot of bad situations. Eventually, the 12 tribes of Israel split into two groups. The northern 10 became known as Israel. The southern two became known as Judah. And over time, as they continued to be sinful and they continued to have bad king Israel, the northern part always had bad kings. The Assyrians came in and overtook them. Pretty soon, the, uh, the southern two tribes, a few years later, they gave in. They didn't do what was right by the Lord. God allowed the Babylonians to come in and, and overpower them and put them in captivity. All of these choices that the Israelites are making, they're not getting away with. You may see this story and say, well, why did God let them get away with it? Well, he didn't let them get away with it. The nation of Israel suffered greatly because they continued to do what was right in their own eyes. Not just in this story, not just in this book, but throughout their history. Were there some who were faithful? Absolutely. Were there good people, good good people that followed the Lord? There were people who were righteous, who 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 followed the Lord. Was God compassionate to them and delivered them? He did sometimes. When they would call out to him and they would recognize their ways, God would be compassionate on them because he's a compassionate God. God could have destroyed the Israelites many times in the book of Judges for their sinfulness. He could have said, I'm done. I'm just going to destroy you because you're living in sin. But thankfully, that's not the way God works. He is a compassionate God. He doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance in Jesus Christ so that we can all be forgiven. We may see evil things like this happen in the world today and say, boy, why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't God punish those who are evil? Well, good news, one day he's going to. But thank the Lord he doesn't just strike down all evil in the moment that it's committed. Because if he did, none of us would be here. The earth would be empty. Now, we might not like to think that. We say, but, well, I don't want him to strike me down. I'm not talking about me, just the people that do the really, really bad stuff. Not the little stuff that I do. But if God was a righteous and just judge, and he is, and he decided that that was the method he was going to use, I'm just going to strike people instantly for their sin, then there would be no people in the world. And so God is a patient God. And we don't need to look at that as a bad thing. Sometimes we do. Sometimes people do say, well, God's not doing anything. What kind of God is that? Well, God's not doing anything because he's a patient God. Now, that's a good God. Now, we want instant gratification and results in our society. That's what we want. We all do in everything. But we serve a God who is patient. And even the most patient of us probably pale in comparison to the patience that God exhibits. So God didn't destroy these people on the spot, although he could. And when we look at stories like this in the Bible or in our world and say, why doesn't God do something? Well, God doesn't do something because he's patient. I don't want a God that begins to strike down evil sinners on the spot. Because if if that's the God we want and that's the God we get, then man, we're going to be gone. He's going to strike every one of us down because we're all sinners. We're probably all guilty at some point in our time of doing just what the Israelites did. Of doing what was right in our own eyes. But praise the Lord that he gave us another chance. Praise the Lord that he's patient with us. Praise the Lord that we can read this story and read his word today. And hopefully the Holy Spirit can work in our heart and speak to us. Praise the Lord that he's giving us a chance today to say, you know what, you're just like those Israelites. You know what? You've sinned. You've done great and horrible things. You know what? There's been times that you've lived according to your own ways, that you've walked according to what you thought was right. But God is saying to us, look, 
You have an opportunity to repent. You have an opportunity to be forgiven. You have an opportunity to, to take advantage of my patience and come to me and come to Jesus Christ and that your sins would be forgiven and that you won't be looked upon as evil, but that you would begin to live by my words and what I say and stop living by your ways. And praise the Lord that we have a God who's patient. Praise the Lord that even though we may just may be just like these Israelites and we may have times in our life, even as followers of God, that we do what's right in our own eyes, that we can come to him and say, God, boy, I was wrong in that. And thank you for being patient with me. And God, I pray that you forgive me. And God is patient with each of us today. We're still living. We're still breathing. We're still walking. And we still have the word of God. That calls us to be obedient to him. That calls us to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So that we would stop living according to our ways. But we would start living according to the ways of Jesus. That we would start living a life of forgiveness. That we would start living a life of love. That we would start living a life of compassion. That we would start living a life of service to God and to other people. That's what God calls us to. That's what he called the Israelites to, to be obedient to him, to follow him, to trust him, and he would provide for them. And they failed. But God was patient. And God had compassion when they would call on him. We've seen it time and time again throughout the book of Judges. And the same is true for you and I. There are times that we fail and walk according to our own ways. But praise the Lord, we serve a God of compassion. Praise the Lord that even though all the kings that God gave to, to Israel, just about every one of them was bad and did evil, but praise the Lord, he sent us a good king in Jesus Christ, one who was perfect and did no evil and gave his life on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven. Let's stop living according to our ways and start living according to his. Let's pray. God, we come to you and I thank you for these words and what a powerful message, what a powerful story, what a powerful uh, word you give us tonight and we thank you for your words dear Lord and I pray that we find the power in them and that we let them work in our life God I pray that we wouldn't be found guilty of living in our ways but we would be found faithful to live in yours that we would be found faithful living in the ways of Jesus Christ and God I thank you for these words and I pray that you'd hide them in our heart and recall them on the days we need to hear them in Jesus name I ask it amen Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.